Good evening and welcome to the EFL Preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Now, I apologise for the slight delay in this episode. Of course, as you'll know, a lot of the Championship and League One was on an international break, and as was I, as I was away working in Paris this weekend. That being said, though, I am back this week to cover all three leagues with plenty of fixtures, plenty of controversy and plenty of excitement inevitably to be expected across the opening weekend. But we will be covering the few games that took place last weekend that weren't uh, blighted by the international break. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. So, without further ado, we will move on to the four games that took place in League One last weekend. Of course, this was Saturday the 14th of October. And we will start with Blackpool 3, Stevenage 0. Jordan Rhodes' seventh goal of the season helped Blackpool secure a well-deserved 3-0 victory against Stevenage. The Seasiders closed in ominously on the top six, while Stevenage's mini-blip continued thanks to a third defeat in the last four. Stevenage threatened early on when Jamie Reed's powerful 20-yard strike was well saved by Dan Grimshaw. The Seasiders replied as Killian Kuwazi's looping header was punched effectively clear by Tay Ashby-Hammond. Huddersfield Loney, Jordan Rhodes, had then slid an effort inches wide following Kuwazi's knockdown, and Rhodes broke the deadlock after 37 minutes when he instinctively diverted skipper Ollie Norburn's initial shot past a flat-footed Ashby-Hammond. It was almost 2-0 nine minutes again after the restart when Kenny Dougal thumped a 25-yard free kick against the crossbar. Owen Dale did make it two bang on the hour mark when he lashed home an angled shot via a deflection off the unlucky Terence Van Kooten. CJ Hamilton confidently slotted home Blackpool's third late on after playing a tidy one-two with the veteran Rhodes. Cambridge United won, Shrewsbury Town won. Michael Morrison scored his first Cambridge goal in over 16 years as they drew one all with Shrewsbury. The Ewes had been frustrated until the 69th minute when the captain picked up the ball just inside the opposition half and proceeded beyond five challenges before firing past Marco Morosi for a remarkable solo effort. Morrison's last goal for the club had come on the 23rd of January 2007. The home side missed a number of chances in a goalless first half. James Brophy was denied by an excellent Tom Flanagan block before Morrison fired wide when well placed following Ryan Bennett's knockdown. Seven minutes before half time, Liam Bennett released Fajiri Okanabiri on the right and the forward squared the ball to Jack Lancaster who crashed his effort off the crossbar. Morrison's moment of magic looked to have won the game only for Shrewsbury to snatch a point two minutes from the end. The host could not clear from within their area, and Taylor Perry slammed an equaliser past Jack Stevens. Carlisle United nil, Lake Orient won. Rule Sotteroux's fifth goal of the season earned improving Leighton Orient a 1-0 win at Carlisle. The Londoners gained a double over the uh, Cumbrians on their way to the fourth tier last season. And thanks to Sotteroux's 21st-minute strike, assisted by Joe Piggott's through ball, Richie Wellenside again left with maximum spoils. Orient, with just one defeat in seven games in all competitions, will fill the margin of a victory should have been wider. Idris El Mazzouni hit the crossbar while Thomas Holy saved from Dan Hap and Sotiru before the latter finally rolled his shot beyond the giant keeper. Carlisle earned the wrath of boss Paul Simpson for a horrible performance in the midweek EFL trophy defeat to Nottingham Forest, and he reverted to the side that won at Bolton last weekend thanks to Jordan Gibson's hat-trick. 
However, Carlisle come only came to life after half-time, and even then, El Mazzuni should have doubled the visitors' advantage after 63 minutes. Home substitute Terrier boldly, Ablade, sorry, hit an upright in a very nervy finish, but the Londoners held on. And finally, Lincoln City nil, Burton Albion won. Jake Burrows' own goal handed Burton their third win in succession, at the expense of 10-man Lincoln. Daniel Mandrew was sent off 10 minutes after half-time for a rash tackle on Burton forward Josh Gordon, and the Brewers wasted no time in taking advantage. Less than five minutes later, Burroughs diverted Joe Powell's corner beyond keeper Lucas Jensen. Earlier, Mason Bennett had cut inside and fired his effort wide of Jensen's goal as Burton looked to open the scoring with the game 11 v 11. Bennett had another chance to open the scoring after Gordon and Bez Lubalala linked up to uh, linked up well, but the former Derby man's effort was smothered by Jensen. Lincoln, who suffered their first home defeat of the season, mustered just one shot on target all afternoon through that of Burroughs, who forced Max Crocom into a fine save to prevent the Imps opening the scoring at 0-0. But it was ultimately Burroughs' mistake at the other end that separated the side as Burton made it 6 unbeaten in League One. To make matters worse, mainly for Lincoln manager Mark Kennedy, he would go on to lose his job this week. Plenty of managerial departures taking place this week, of which we'll cover in a little bit more detail later in the show. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. So, let's take a look at a slightly slightly busier League 2 fixture list, and that we had 11 out of the possible 12 games played. The only game that wasn't able to take place due to international call-ups was Morecambe versus Crawley. However, that did not stop League 2 from scoring a heck of a lot of goals, and most notably starting with the first one. Notts County 1, Mansfield Town 4. Mansfield fought back to beat League 2 leaders Notts County and extend their unbeaten run to the season to 17 games, with a memorable derby victory. Dan Crowley smashed home a loose ball from close range to give the host the ideal start in front of an expectant crowd of 16,638, the biggest attendance at Meadow Lane since their League 2 playoff semi-final defeat by Coventry in 2018, which also ended in a 4-1 defeat. Davis Keeler Dunn hit the post in search of a response, which Louis Reed eventually came up with for Mansfield as he found the bottom corner midway through the first half. Two goals in four second-half minutes from Bailey Cargill and Aidan Flint, and a leap fourth from Lucas Aikens, ensured Nigel Clough-Stags extended their last remaining unbeaten start to the season in England's top four divisions in style. AFC Wimbledon nil, Bradford City one. Substitute Emmanuel Osadebi continued Bradford's revival under caretaker player-manager Kevin MacDonald as AFC Wimbledon's troubles on home turf continued with a 1-0 defeat. Johnny Jackson's Dons began the day in the playoff spots thanks largely to their form on the road, having managed just one League 2 victory at the Cherry Red Records Stadium this season, or New Plough Lane to us. 
Wimbledon's home struggles cost them once more against a resurgent Bradford on Saturday, with Osadebi scoring four minutes after his introduction to seal a 1-0 victory in the capital. The hosts had the better opportunities in a scrappy first half, with City keeper Harry Lewis darting off his line to deny former Glover James Tilly, before later stopping an Amani Little drive. Little lashed narrowly over as he again went close for Wimbledon in the second period, but moments later freshly introduced Ossa Davies struck at the other end. The 27-year-old showed strength and perseverance after Andy Cook's flick-on and coolly directed home in front of the away end in the 62nd minute. Omar Bagheel saw an effort hit a post and another attempt deflect agonisingly across the goal as Wimbledon sought an equaliser that just evaded them. Let's have our first interview of the night and we will hear from AFC Wimbledon boss Johnny Jackson. Johnny, a 1-0 defeat today. Do you feel we had enough chances to get something out of the game? I thought we had enough chances to win the game, let them get something out of it. Um, yes, to come away having got beat, really frustrating, hard to take. I think they've had two chances in the game, the goal. And then one a bit later on when we're chasing it. Obviously, we, we've had numerous good chances, probably four or five. Real clear-cut chances. One just before they score, they go down the other end and score. Um, we have a we have a clear-cut penalty that gets turned down as well. So uh, frustrated, but um, some good stuff. But but also, I think you know we've got to be disappointed that we've come away with that for nothing, and we have to we have to look at ourselves and the chances that we've missed and uh, and be be annoyed. Do you, do you feel satisfied though? Obviously, you had to make two changes today. Do you feel like you still got the levels that you expect? I don't feel satisfied because we've lost and we shouldn't have lost, so there's no satisfaction in that. I think the performance level was, was still good. I think, was it as good as, as we have been in recent weeks? Perhaps not. But we still limited a good team to, to very, very little um, and created enough. Still like to create more, but enough to win a game, but uh, we haven't taken any of them, and you know, that bit's on us. The penalty bit, that's on the referee, um, and them scoring a, a soft goal, something that we spoke about all week, about their threats, and conceding that goal is really annoying. Hmm. Um, Ryan Johnson missed out today, is it a serious injury? I don't think it's serious, he, uh, he had an issue with his neck, uh, later part of the week was unable to train, in too much uh, discomfort, um, so he didn't make the game disappointing. Obviously, he had to make a late call, bringing Pearcey in. So, but uh, we're, we're hopeful that nothing too serious, and he's back for next week. And another free week coming up. We've got Barrow coming up. Um, what's your message been to the boys just at the end there in the dressing room? My message was that we should be annoyed and frustrated with ourselves because we've done enough to win a football match. Um, but last time we lost the game, we went on a really good run. After that, we recovered. We went, we went five unbeaten, I believe. One three, drew two. So we need that response now. We haven't become a a poor team overnight. We're, we're a good team. Bradford, Bradford, a decent side, and, and for my for my for my mind, we was the dominant team in the game, uh, and we should be getting something from it. So we uh, we have to remember remember that. But we get back to work Monday, working on the stuff that we're good at, um, and, and and try and put it right next week. Crew 2, Tranmere Rovers nil. Tranmere had goalkeeper Luke McGee and defender Tom Davis sent off as they went down to a 2-0 defeat at local rivals Crew. Jack Powell floated over a 40-yard free kick and Mickey Dimitru drifted free to plant a header into the bottom corner in the 11th minute to give Crew the lead. Seven minutes into the second half, McGee left Tranmere in the mire when he was stranded several yards outside of his penalty box as he handled Chris Long's goal-bound attempt to earn a straight red card. 
Long deepened Rovers' troubles when blasting the resulting free kick into the bottom corner, with veteran keeper Joe Murphy's first action off the bench being to pick the ball out of his own net. After a lengthy stoppage following an incident in the crowd, the visitors rallied and went close to reducing the arrears when Connor Jennings glanced the crossbar with a thundering drive. Crew's goal that left a charmed life in the closing minutes of 13 of added time, and when Harvey Sanders lifted over from close range and rattled the bar with a header, while Courtney Baker-Richardson cleared a header from Jennings off the line. Tramier's woes were complete when skipper Davis earned his side's second dismissal of the game, with a second yellow card for a late tackle deep into stoppage time. More goals for you now. Doncaster Rovers 4, Sutton United 1. Doncaster Rovers collected a fourth straight league triumph on home soil with a comfortable 4-1 win over Sutton. Joe Ironside scored twice, including a first-half penalty, while Zane Westbrook and Mo Fall also found the net for Grant McCann's side, with Harry Smith replying for the visitors in stoppage time. And very much a big game at the bottom next. Forest Green Rovers 5, Colchester United 0. Forest Green Rovers moved off the bottom of the League 2 table with a 5-0 demolition of 10-man Colchester. Goals from Callum Morton, Carl McAllister, Matty Taylor and two from Matty Stevens made the use pay after they had Jay Mingy sent off early in the second half. Don Bernard was adjudged to have backpassed to Rovers keeper James Belshaw, but Cameron McGeehan's drive was blocked on the goal line. But Tyrese Amote's curling effort was parried by U shot stopper Tom Smith into the path of the oncoming Morton, who hammered home from six yards four minutes before the break. Visiting midfielder Mingi was then sent off for a second bookable offence just two minutes into the second half. Forest Green doubled their lead after 65 minutes when McAllister received a pass from Omoite, uh, Omotoy sorry, and smashed a left-footed effort into the far corner of Smith's goal. A third arrived 12 minutes later as substitute Taylor drilled past Smith despite his best efforts to save. And Stevens made it four by slotting home Sean Robertson's low cross and also added a fifth in stoppage time when he controlled and finished Harvey Bunker's lofted pass to complete the route. The only blemish on Forest Green's day was confirmation that centre-back Ryan Innes will be out for up to 12 weeks after suffering a stress fracture. However, in the grand scheme of things, given how important this result was mainly for George Horseman, we will hear from the Forest Green Rovers boss now. David, what an afternoon here at the New Lawn. 5-0 win over Colchester United. Talk us through it. Yeah, it was, it was really pleased. I'm, I'm delighted for the fans. The fans are our most important people, first and foremost, and it's been a long time coming. Um, you've just told me 2018 was the last time they saw five goals, and, and I, I really appreciate them because they've stuck behind me as far as I'm aware, up to now, and it's been a really tricky time. So I think today was, today we put a load of um, stats to bed and, and played some good stuff, even when it was 11 v 11, and, and I think we showed the potential we have as a group and a team and a squad, and, and we need to now carry this forward, because what's happened up to now hasn't been good enough. Um, there have been lots that have been good, but the actual results have been, been really disappointing. So hopefully the fans today, who were amazing, um, Saw some good players coming back from injury and some good players in the squad that care. And, and I think as a club today, it felt probably the nicest for obvious reasons since I've been here. And, and we want that moving forward. That looked like a team you want. You talk about being front foot, aggressive, athletic. And Callum Morton brings that. Tyrese was unbelievable today. It looked like a, 
a team with real fluidity and movement. Yeah, exactly. Now, we knew where we wanted to go, but when people aren't available, there's, you know, you have what you have, and uh, we value every member of our squad. We have a really good squad, and they all bring different attributes. But the way we wanted to play was an athletic, forward-thinking um, game. And, and obviously, the ones that we've brought in, uh, your, your Dabos and your... Uh, Mortons and your Maddoxes and people like that, they bring that level of athleticism and calmness with the ball and um, that complements what we already have in the building, which is some really, really good players. So, And I thought we saw elements of it today wasn't perfect by any stretch. There's lots that we've got to get better at. But, um, yeah, just, just again, look, just really pleased to the fans because they saw probably what my vision is long-term, but we've got to do better in the short-term to, to be able to put that into place and, and implement that. You've said it a few times, weeks and weeks ago, that a team will be on the wrong end of a, of a hammering at one point, and it's happened today. How much internally have you believed that that will happen at some point? I've always believed it. Now, it's hard sometimes, and it's hard when, you know, last night at 8 o'clock you lose your centre-half and, and our real height and strength. It's, it's been difficult in terms of that but what I've got in the dressing room and the squad and the, and the group and the talent I've never doubted it and I know and I, I know because I've worked with and alongside and seen a Champions League level coach this style of football works but you have to have the attributes now we haven't always had them available at the moment but we had more of them today and and the boys that come on were absolutely brilliant I have to say um, and because of that and we produce a good result but you know, we have to do that consistently. It's no good just doing it as a one-off. That's, that's no good to anybody. We have a real tough game at Mansfield next week, so I'll start watching them tonight. And then um, we need to climb the table because we're a much better team than a bottom two team. Yeah, we do need to climb the table and pick up more results. But what can that do for, for confidence going forward, a result like that? I think confidence, but more importantly, belief in what we're trying to do. And that's, that's everybody. That's the fans, the players, the board. That's everybody, because like I say, me and Lou and Lauren, we, we've done it, we know it works, we've done it with younger players, I've seen it with senior players, and I've seen it at the highest level and it all sorts of level work, but probably the fans haven't seen enough of it yet, they've seen glimpses. Um, and I think we've been unfortunate at times. We're 1-0 up against Swindon, there's a blatant red card, swings the game our way, and I think, you know, the Doncaster game, we absolutely batter them. We could be six more points off, which although is not brilliant, but we're still much further up the league, and I, I think those things have probably, for me, like, it's the character that you have to show, because it's, it's a lonely place on the touchline sometimes, so I really feel for them today, because I've been stood in the dugout thinking, that's... That's a tough afternoon, and um, but I think you test your character and who you are as a person in the darker moments. Today don't define me at all. It's just the belief for everybody else to see what we're, we're probably capable of. That at the end of the day, David, going the whole way around, doing some fist bumps in front of the South Stand, you must have been waiting for that moment. It shows the togetherness and the type of culture you want to instill here. Yeah, what I want the fans to do is enjoy it. So when we come in, day one, it was all about bringing joy to the fans. We haven't. And as much as some of the football's been good, in my personal opinion, the, the results have been obviously really disappointing. And... Yeah, I want them to enjoy coming. When lose a draw, I want them to enjoy coming. And, and we haven't produced that enough yet, but today was, was that. And I, I wanted them to celebrate enjoy because it's all about them. I know the supporters are number one. The players know supporters are number one. And we've tried, but we haven't quite got over the line. So today was, was really, really pleasing. I do apologise to Mr Horseman then. I think that's twice I've called him George. And in fact, of course, his name is David Horseman. Grimsby Town nil, Accrington Stanley 2. Accrington put 10-man Grimsby to the sword with two late strikes in a 2-0 victory in their League 2 match at Blundell Park. 
Sean Wally and Josh Andrews helped Accrington deservedly pick up three points after Luke Waterfall saw red for two bookable offences. A superb block from Accrington defender Jay Baghalu denied Harry Clifton in the early stages, while his Grimsby teammate Harvey Rogers glanced over the crossbar after meeting an outswinging Jamie Andrews corner. At the other end, Josh Andrews went close with a tame header before Abu Issa saw his shot clawed away by Accrington keeper Joe Mc- John McCracken. And Grimsby striker Danny Rose prodded Goldwoods under the, upon the restart from a set-piece as Issa then passed up a golden opportunity. On the hour mark when the winger fired over a right-footed shot from inside the six-yard area. Waterfall handed Accrington an advantage when he was sent off with 18 minutes to play. And they instantly seize control, with Wally and Josh Andrews both scoring in quick-fire fashion to help their side to a sixth victory so far this season. Harrogate Town 1, Stockport County 3. Stockport climbed to the top of the League 2 table after seeing off Harrogate 3-1 to record an eighth consecutive win in all competitions. Anthony Sarsovich, a Warren Burrell own goal, and Will Collar secured victory for the visitors, with George Chompson's reply from the penalty spot only proving a consolation for Harrogate. McDonald's 2, Barrow 2. Emil Aqua's stunning late strike salvaged a dramatic 2 all draw for Barrow at MK Dons to heap more pressure on under-fire boss Graham Alexander. More of that in a minute. The Barrow striker curled home a brilliant leveller in the fifth minute of stoppage time after former glover Ben Whitfield had pulled one back for Pete Wilde's side just two minutes earlier. Max Dean's first half double looked to have set the Dons on way to their first League 2 win since August, but Barrow's remarkable late fireback silenced Stadium MK before triggering loud boos at full time. Alexander had used his programme notes to address his side's rotten run, and it was Barrow who started the brighter in front of a tense home crowd. But the host seized the lead when Dean rifled home on the turn from, from the edge of the box via a slight Barrow deflection. Wildside rallied and could have grabbed a leveller, as Robbie Gotts, Dean Campbell and Jed Garner all went close. But the Dons doubled their advantage ten minutes before the break, when Dean reacted quickest to pull Farman's reaction to nod home from close range. Gotts and Elliot Newby came close to cutting the gap as the visitors started the second half strongly. The Dons wasted multiple chances to put the game to bed before Whitfield and Aqua's late intervention rescued Barrow a point and kept Alexander waiting for his first league win in more than two months. Unfortunately, a record that will continue to stay as Graham Alexander was sacked this week by MK Dons and replaced with a certain man who we will talk a lot more about later in the show. Swindon Town 2, Newport County nil. Michael Flynn, Swindon Town, eased past former charges, Newport County in a hard-fought game at the county ground. Swindon led when Charlie Austin picked out Dan Kemp, who took the ball past Exiles keeper John Maxted to score. Austin thought he had doubled the lead, but play was called back for a foul in the build-up. But Roshane Hepburn-Murphy sealed the win when he poked home a loose ball after Maxted pushed Seydou Khan's shot onto the post. Swindon climbing to the playoff places, while Newport dropped to 20th. Walsall 4, Gillingham 1. Isaac Hutchinson scored a hat-trick as Walsall recorded a 4-1 League 2 victory over Gillingham, for whom caretaker boss Keith Millen had to watch from the stands after being shown a red card. Millen was dismissed after 28 minutes for tripping Walsall winger and former glover Tom Knowles as he attempted to take a quick throw-in. From there, Hutchinson took centre stage, scoring three goals and setting up the other. The opener came after 34 minutes as Hutchinson beat a couple of defenders to curl the ball home with a left-footed shot from the edge of the area. 
Hutchinson turned provider five minutes later to slip Freddie Draper in to coolly slot beneath visiting keeper Jake Turner. Sadler's stopper Owen Evans made a fine double save from Macaulay Bond's header and Tom Nichols' snapshot to keep the lead at two. And Hutchinson made it 3-0 just before the hour mark with a low left-footed finish that beat Turner at his near post. Gillingham pulled one back three minutes later as Bond thumped the ball home from close range after Evans denied Connor Mahoney. But after a Draper lob clipped the crossbar, Usherson headed home Ross Tierney's 85th minute cross to seal the points and his treble. <coughs> Excuse me. And finally, Wrexham 3, Salford City 2. Two late goals from Stephen Fletcher and Jordan Davis saw Wrexham snatch a thrilling victory from Salford City. Salford struck first, Stephen Milland crossed to the back post for Matty Smith to head home, and Matty Lund doubled Salford's lead when Arthur Nkowu could only parry across, although Elliot Lees pulled the goal back, heading in a corner. Fletcher turned home, pulled Mullins cross to level, before Davis struck to send home the, crowd, uh, the home crowd into a frenzy. Wrexham move up to fifth, three points behind League Two leader Stockport County, while Sotford dropped to 15th after having their three-match winning streak ended in dramatic fashion. I've one final interview from League Two then, and let's hear from Wrexham boss Phil Parkinson. Phil, another dramatic afternoon at the Stoke Kairas and a 3-2 win against Salford City. You must be delighted with the win. Yeah, of course, so pleased with the win. It was one of those days where the sun was low and it was kind of... A little bit of a lacklustre feel, feel to the game, and um, we didn't play with the, the quality I really wanted in that first period. But we still had some good moments and, and good chances, and I've just felt that if we up the quality in our play and our decision making, you know, at half time we'd have a great chance to to go in and win the game. And if you look at the game, we've had all the best chances really. There's one save that's second half from Arthur, which was an outstanding save. But we've had a lot of good chances, and I you know, felt if we got the, got it to 2-2, um, the momentum was, would be really with us and, and we'd go and win the game and, and that's what happened and obviously special mention to the subs because you know on days like that where you just need a lift of tempo and energy, uh, they really gave us it. That's what you're saying, they're big players, big moments and Stephen Fletcher and Jordan Davis have come right to the fore, haven't they? Yeah, Jordy, you know, he's had two headers which is textbook kind of um, moments which he's unlucky not to score one, I think the keep saved, the other one went wide and um, and then finally got his goal. He, he's got great self-belief. And obviously Fletcher's had a chance as well, which um, Keeper's made a, a fantastic save, I think, with his legs. And then he's, he's got his goal and he gets in where all good strikers do. They get in the six-yard box and uh, you know, it's a really big moment for us. It's another one of them afternoons where, similar to Doncaster and crew, where there are more chances that come our way and we get close. Does it almost feel for you like we're going to score when we get to the latter stages? Uh, well, they, they looked, Salford looked on the last legs, I have to say that. They put a lot of effort into it and, and our subs kind of gave us that bit of freshness and you felt if there was a team going to go and score, it was us. Obviously, they've always, always carried that threat on the break because they've got a bit of pace, especially on that right-hand side. Um, so, yeah, you know, listen, we, we're so pleased with the win. It, you know, it keeps our run going. Uh, the lads are working incredibly hard and, um, you know, it's another great example of, of what the club's all about. The opposite of the pitch, Aaron James made his league debut for the club and another sign again as we spoke in midweek about how good progression that academy status has got now. It's very important because you know we had four players who could have played wing back out today. You know Mendy, uh, Barney, you know, Fordy obviously, and Andy Cannon can also play there. And if we don't give Aaron a chance in, in those circumstances, he's never going to get an opportunity. And I felt he deserved it. He's been outstanding in the way he's trained and conducted himself. So I thought he did well. I thought he did really well. Um, 
you know, obviously we, we brought him off when he we fatigued a bit in the second period. But, you know, obviously we know we're all about the now and we want to win and, and be close to the top of the league. But also there is one eye on the future of the club as well. And giving Aaron the opportunity today is a great lift for everybody in the academy. And, you know, the youth team have, have had some great results of late. I think they've won three or four on the bounce and they've, they've been terrific. And it's great for us on Tuesday to reward a couple of those players. And same today with Aaron's full debut. We all saw what Stephen Fletcher did in the last few minutes against Crew. Today he's done the same again, got himself a goal. Just shows the real big threat that he is, especially at the end of a game like this. Yeah, I mean, he's a class player. He's, um, he's come in, obviously missed pre-season. Um, and then he's had a problem with his knee, which he had to have some fluid drained off. So he hasn't trained as much as he'd have liked in the last 10 days, so to speak. But listen, he's an absolute class player and he showed that when he came on. And a great moment for Jordan as well, getting the winner, building on his performance in midweek. Yeah, I thought Jordy was really good on, on Tuesday, really good. And that's, uh, you know, that performance accrue was very important for us and, and none more so than Jordan Davis. And you, know, you always feel with Jordy that he can get goals. And um, two years ago, he got 20 uh, from midfield. Um, he's, he's a goal scorer, you know, he's a real threat. As you said, all about momentum and today's win continues that heading into Bradford next weekend. Yeah, what a great game that's going to be now next week. Bradford be a terrific crowd there. They've won today. It's one of the few results I've seen. Um, yeah, can't wait. You know, go, go there and you know, we, we're getting a nice bit of form together and uh, we've got players will be back available for next week, which is really important. Thanks, Phil. Congratulations. So let's just take a quick look at the League 2 table as it goes into this weekend. As it's already mentioned, a new leader with 26 points from 13 games played sit Stockport County. Notts County's loss to Mansfield means that they dropped to second but has moved the Stags up to third themselves. 23 points level on points with fourth placed Crew and fifth placed Wrexham. Filling out the rest of the playoff spots, both with 22 points apiece, are Swindon and Gillingham. At the wrong end of the table, Sutton United, suffering another defeat, leaves them on seven points from a possible out of 13 games played and are already three points adrift. The other team in the bottom two, despite their decent performance against Colchester, sit Forest Green. Although they are level on points and goal difference with the U's, Colchester only just outside, having played one game less. But now I think it's time that we talk about what's taken place in the last week, and that's namely an awful lot of managerial changes. Across the leagues, we have seen several of managerial departures. Many of them they claim by mutual consent, but most of the time, let's be fair, it's because their positions have been rather poor. Well, in Miller, in the case of the Championship, we have seen the departures of Gary Rowett from uh, Millwall. And of course, we knew about uh, Zisco Minoz getting sacked several weeks ago from Sheffield Wednesday. But we have one of the few interviews regarding a new manager coming in. And the reason I've mentioned Sheffield Wednesday is because they have a new one in the form of German Danny Röhl. We don't know too much about him, but so let's hear from him directly to hear what he thinks he's going to be as the new Owls boss. Yeah, it's amazing to be here now. It was a long process the last uh, seven days. But I had a good conversation with the German and yeah, it was very open-minded for, for everything and he tried the best to be here now and uh, I'm looking forward to, to be part of this uh, traditional club. It's amazing. Uh, I was in the stadium. The first impression was um, yeah, amazing and I'm looking forward to, to, be, to have the first match here inside. So obviously you've got a lot of experience elsewhere. This is obviously your first job as, as a manager. Why did you want that time to be now and, and why did you choose Sheffield Wednesday to be that first, first job? 
Yeah, at first uh, I'm 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 ready for this. Uh, you you spoke about my experience in the in the past. I know it's a big challenge now to make the, the step forward as a manager, but uh, I prepared the last 10 years for this first step. And yeah, I think uh, it is uh, amazing to to have this first step here in, uh, in Sheffield Wednesday. This is a traditional club and uh, I think everybody is dreaming about such a club and be part of such a club. What do you know about Sheffield Wednesday before coming here? What's the sort of how does how do how is Sheffield Wednesday seen in Germany? Yeah, I, I saw I saw some videos about the fans and the crowd, and also in the in the last uh, days, I got a lot of messages by Instagram or by by Facebook, and uh, it showed me a lot how 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 much passion the, the fans are here. And yeah, for me, it's uh, it's um, it's crazy to be here now and uh, be part of this this uh, club. You've worked with some some very big name coaches, the likes of Ralph Ranić, um, Ralph Hasenhutl, Hansi Flick. Uh, tell us about your experience working with them and, and what you've learned along the way as well. Yeah, there are different managers uh, from Ralph Ranić. I learned a lot about how you can uh, structure a club, how you can build up something. In Leipzig, we started nearly by near zero and build it up uh, to a club, to a Champions League club. Uh, from Ralph Hasenhutl, I learned uh, how passion you can be as a coach, as a manager. And from Hansi, I learned a lot about leading a team, big players to create a self-confidence, to create a, also a, a very close relationship. And this is also important for me to be a coach, but also to show or to see the, the human behind the players. You have to understand the players and you, you have to show what you expect from them and be very open to them, I think this is important that you have a good conversation with the players every single day. And then, yeah, we have to train hard. We need a good commitment. Uh, I demand from the players they are open-minded for, for the new things that will come now. But I'm sure, and there's also the picture uh, when they promoted uh, from the third division to the second division in the stadium, it was a fantastic atmosphere. And also the, the players were like a, a family. And I think we need this to create the, the energy with our fans here and then we can uh, building up something special. You've had great success uh, elsewhere as well. Obviously, you, you were part of the coaching team that with, with Bayern when they won the treble and obviously you know what it takes to succeed as well. Yeah, uh, it means uh, when you will be successful, it means you have to train hard every single day. And uh, I think this is, this is uh, one big key point for me to have a group they are working hard and they are open-minded for, for the things what I demand. And um, I think, um, yeah, we, we need the, the, first, the first step forward. And uh, after the, the last uh, games, they are not so successful. We, we want to train hard and then we can be successful in the future. And I'm convinced about this. That was also the reason why I said to the German, I will do this job because I'm convinced about this group here in the locker room and then we can go forward now. How would you describe yourself as a coach? What do you like to see from, from your team? Yeah, I want to say uh, intensity. I want to be active on the pitch. It means uh, we want to play very aggressive. I want to see that we are 
brave. I want to speak about bold decision on the pitch. This is also important. We can make mistakes, but uh, we have to learn from our mistakes. This is important. And I think that we, when we prepare during the week, then we will show what we can do on the, on the weekend. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things. And I have a clear philosophy about uh, transition, first impulse, counter pressing. These are also things what I demand from my players and yeah, I will show them in the next days uh, the video on the pitch and then we can start. Obviously you said it, as you say, it's been a difficult start for the team so far, but obviously you're confident that we can th turn things around and it's still very early in the season as well. Yeah, I think my experience uh, in the past is very helpful because in, uh, yeah, in Southampton we had nearly the, the same situation. We started immediately with a match and then we had our first home match against Arsenal and we, we took a, a win, 3-1. And I know what we can do in one week, how we can prepare this team for the, this week. And it is all about the con conviction uh, that we are all thinking in one direction. And if we do this, then we will be successful for sure. How much are you looking forward to getting started and, and meeting the players and, and getting down to work? Yeah, this is very important to, to speak with the players now, to get a feeling what was in the past. But for me, it's more the view forward. I don't like too much uh, back. Uh, but yeah, I love this to work every single day in the, in the pitch. It was also by the national team. I I've had the feeling that I missed this. And now I'm yeah happy to be a coach every single day. And obviously, like you say, you've just seen Hillsborough for the first time. What, what do you think? What do you think to the stadium? Yeah, the stadium is, is, is amazing. It's different to other stadiums, also different to German stadiums. This is traditional, you, you had the feeling in the, in the air. And when I imagine that uh, we have 25,000 people in the stadium and the crowd is behind us and we, we give everything on the pitch, then I think we will create a, a great, great atmosphere here. How much are you looking forward to that? Obviously meeting the fans, like you say, a big atmosphere at Hillsborough, but you can't wait for that for that yeah. first game now. For sure, I think we had the two away matches at, at first and yeah, then we will took points away, I hope so. And then we have a, a full stadium here. And then, yeah, I hope uh, we, we have a great atmosphere in the stadium. But I'm sure we, we will have this here. Best of luck to Danny Roll there. He's certainly going to need it. But he has made some immediate changes, even today as this programme is being recorded. He's brought in current England coach Chris Powell to be his assistant. On to League One, and we have only had one change in the last week, but that has been uh, of Lincoln City boss Mark Kennedy. Although the uh, the uh, Leeds, CEO, the Leeds, the <laughs> Lincoln CEO, Liam Scully, does claim that it wasn't just necessarily down to uh, results that the reason that he was sacked, and it was, it was obviously a lot of mitigating factors that suggested that potentially a change was needed. Read of that what you will. On to League Two then, and well, as we've already mentioned, NK Dons replaced their manager as he was uh, as Graham Alexander did not start with the same level of quality I think many expected them to do, despite the uh, incredible finances behind NK Dons. 
and they've been replaced by manager Mark Williamson. Now, we may know Mark Williamson as the Premier League defender that made over well over 300 appearances for Newcastle United and as about as northeast as a northeast man can be. What he has done very well is he's turned around in the last 12 months a very impressive Gateshead side, had a very weak start to their... did get promotion out of the National League North, that has to be said. Um, had a bit of a slow start in the National League last year and then managed to go on this incredible run of form, <clears throat> which they've massively continued going into this season in the National League have Gateshead. Notably, of course, one of the major results that they pulled off in their resurgence last year was against a certain team in green and white. Now, what will be even more interesting from a Yeovil perspective, of course, is that if Gateshead have had lost their manager, Mike Williamson, who's moved to MK Dons, then hopefully uh, Gateshead will be in a little bit worse for wear as we meet them in the FA Cup in a few weeks' time, but I'm being very, very biased there. That being said, though, we will have another interview, and this one will be the first managerial interview of Mike Williamson as MK Don's boss. Well, Mike, welcome to MK Don's. Delighted to have you here. Uh, can I just, first of all, get your emotions and your thoughts on, on becoming our latest head coach? Excited. Can't wait, like I say. Um, been here a few times, walking around. You know, it still surprised you walking in, the atmosphere, you know, and on a match day experience and that, so... Yeah, just can't wait to get started getting on the grass. It's a talented group here and, and looking to uh, get our ideas across. Obviously, quick turnaround uh, from obviously the club partner company with, with Graham Alexander and, and you coming in. What have your early conversations been with, with the chairman, Pete Winkleman, with, with Liam Sweeting as well, and, and, and what they said about you coming in here and what they're hoping for you to do? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's football, isn't it? It's a quick turnaround. Um, but really, just, just come in. Obviously, you know, we they've seen the way we play at Gateshead and what we've built there um, somewhere that's close to our heart you know it's a difficult decision but like you say when a, when a, a club like this comes calling it's a no-brainer so yeah for us just to come in be ourselves really um, like I say you've got a talented group of lads you've got a really good squad um, really strength and depth um, and you know we've got games coming up three in the week so we've got no time really to to get our instruction and detail across but it's going to be it's going to be an evolution um, and like I say, we, we've got a lot of ideas, um, a lot of things that we want to do, like the way we train uh, and the way we go about things. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's going to be one thing at a time. It's clear from the way you've, you've built your Gateshead teams over the last four years that you have a clear style of play, um, one that's very aligned with what this football club's been known for and certainly what the chairman and the supporters expect from their MK Dons team. Um, obvious question, I'm sure an obvious answer is, is that what we're going to see from a Mike Williams MK Dons team as well? Uh, listen, you know, we want to win. Um, we want to win every metric. We want to be intense. You know, that, that's the foundation, the bedrock. Um, everything we do, we've got to do with, uh, with energy, um, enthusiasm, um, and we want to play forward. We want to play forward as quick as we can, but you've got to have solutions. It's got to be, it's got to be right. We, they've got to understand what, they're, what we're trying to achieve. A byproduct of that, we want to control the game. Um, so that generally, you know, will equate to possession, but our whole play is about disturbing the back line. Um, so the ideas from back to front is with one, one thing in mind is to, to score a goal. Um, and the way we go about it is just creating so many options that, you know, it becomes uh, a simple kind of pattern and picture and the lads will pick up the concepts very quickly. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just want really high intensity. Um, really connected all over the pitch, connected to the club, connected to ourselves, uh, the guys that we that I've brought in, um, and to really enjoy ourselves. Where does that passion and desire to play like that come from? Is it is it from your playing days? Is it from certain managers that you've worked under? Or is it just something that you've always had in you to, you know, this is the way that you want your your football teams to play? 
Um, I think it's just evolved. Uh, ultimately, you know, you don't get have a prof professional career without wanting to win, um, and that just looks very different. So initially, like I say, um, we want to control the transition. That's uh, the quicker we can get the ball back, the quicker we can build, and the more opportunities we've got to enter the opposition box. Um, and it's just it's just grown from there. Like I say, you want to play the right way. Everybody wants to play in a team that dominate the ball, but ultimately you come up against teams that nullify that, and you've got to find another solution. Um, and then you come up against something else, a different, a different puzzle, and you've got to find another solution. So the evolution is just, you know, it's on and on as football goes through its uh, cycles. And uh, yeah, like I say, it's, um, it will, you know, look a certain way, but ultimately it's about winning, and that's the outcome that we're here to do. You obviously had a fantastic playing career, um, played at the highest level, played a number of games, and. Uh, obviously, you had the opportunity to work with some some fantastic managers as well. How how, how much has that helped you stepping into your, your first head coaching role at Gateshead, and obviously into this role as well? Yeah, I think you you pick up uh, you know, many things along the way. You've got your own ideas. You want you know you, you look see the game a certain way. I think not being genetically blessed, um, I've had to always try and anticipate and be a step ahead. I think that's given me you know uh, that desire to go into the coaching side of it. Um, been very fortunate to play uh, under some incredible coaches and some. You know different styles of play as well, um, but obviously when you get later in your career, you you really you know enjoy learning the detail and uh, the whys and hows. Um, and again, playing at Newcastle, it's uh, can be unforgiven the pressure. It's uh, yeah, they're incredibly passionate up there, but it puts me in good stead. So you know I'm looking just to really try and be here first and foremost to support the lads and and get smiles on their faces and really just get everyone fighting in, in one direction. You touched on the, the, the time you've had at Gateshead and obviously a difficult decision to, to leave there. How much did you enjoy your first taste of, of managerial, uh, the managerial role? And um, what was it about MK Dons that um, made this the right next step for you in, in your career? Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved every moment. Um, Gateshead is a unique club. Uh, when, when we went in, I went in as a player initially. Um, really enjoyed the sound of the project. It was, you know, limited resources. Very humble club, um, really connected to the community, um, similar to, to yourself. Um, and it's been a project that's been, been growing. So for us, it's, uh, you know, coming to a place like this, you know, and, and you can see the, the background, the history, um, the chairman, you know, young managers, but everything the club epitomises, you know, it was really attractive. Um, and for myself and the staff, it was about the right club. It wasn't about... Um, anything other than somewhere that we feel is aligned with the way we see the game um, and really back, back us and get behind us and I think you know, this is a, a, certainly a fantastic club to do that. You touched, the guys that, touched on the guys that you bring with you, uh, Ian and Chris, why, why, why did you decide to bring those guys with you and what can they add to, to, to MK Dons as well? Um, you know, they've been the heartbeat of the, the club at Gateshead. Um, you know, we've all had unique pathways into where we are today. Um, you know, Ian's had you know hours and hours of, of coaching uh, on the field, um, and then that transferred into different areas. Um, and then in the last five years, we've we've really worked well together. The chemistry, uh, Chris Bell as well. Again, a uh, very multifaceted uh, human being brings locks to the table. Uh, but the chemistry is that's what works. Um, and essentially, like you say, the. The thing about football is it's an emotional game, it's a very passionate game um, and they, those guys bring that of abundance. Uh, you touched on earlier in the interview the, the squad, I'm sure you've taken some time between now and you know, when the, first, the club first approached you and, and to, to, to becoming a, our new head coach, some time to look at the squad, assess, watch video, 
what do you think of, of, of the calibre of players that you've got at your disposal? And um, yeah, I'm sure there will be changes and tweaks you're going to make, but how excited are you to get to work with them this week and uh, moving forward? Yeah, well, I've got to say it's limited, limited exposure. I've had to, you know, driving down the M1, I was uh, <laughs> doing what I could. But yeah, of course, it's been such a quick turnaround. It's been a whirlwind, really has. Um, I was 100% invested in Gateshead, you know. Um, and then now, yeah, a new project, really exciting, something I can't wait to get going. You know, obviously, you know, I've seen them from afar, a very, very talented group. Um, some incredible offensive players, um, some really experienced midfielders, um, and experienced at the back as well. So again, it's just making sure that we come in. Um, you know, it's about just getting a good feeling, um, letting them get to know us. Um, they've got to trust us. They've got to buy into what we stand for and how we want to go about it. That might take time. Um, like I say, it's unforgiving the amount of games we've got coming up, but we'll do everything we can. Um, and like I say, touching on my career, I feel like you know the overachievement is has come from a background of just working hard and trying to outwork everybody. Um, and that's what I'll, I'll attempt to do here. Straight at the deep end, couple of training sessions, trip to Accrington and Stanley on, on Saturday and then back-to-back and -back home games. Uh, is that quite nice? I know, I know you want some time on the training pitch, but is it quite nice to, to get right in the thick of it? And I suppose the best way sometimes to learn is, is, is game action and seeing them when the, when the lights are on. So how much are you looking forward to this, this next 10 days or so? Yeah, I mean, it's perfect because that's what it is, you know, and that's what we've got. So um, we control what we do. We'll get, you know, what, we, what detail we can across to the boys. Um, but yeah, three very different games, um, and we'll prepare everything we can. Obviously, if, you know, I'll speet to the guys and, and get a real feel. We'll go, we'll, we'll meet them properly tomorrow. We'll get what we can on the training field. But like I say, it's going to be a relationship that we'll, we'll build, um, and it's about us getting to know them, them getting to know us. Um, and yeah, like I say, it's, it's straight in the deep end, and that, that's perfect. And finally, obviously, there'll be some MK on supporters that will they'll get to meet you on, on Saturday at Accrington, but most of them will see you here next week at Stadium K. What would be your message to them watching this interview today um, with, with you coming in as, as their new head coach? Yeah, just like I say, get behind the boys. That's what it's all about. You know, for me, um, what's so appealing is the alignment of from top, you know, the fans are the club. That is the club, it's the community, that's the bedrock. They'll always be here, they'll be here, you know, long before us and, and long after. We're just coming in to try and guide and support, do everything we can. Um, and that's coming from the chairman to, to Liam, to, to myself and throughout the club. So for us, we're, we're excited. We can't wait to, to get on the training field, you know, meet the guys, get our ideas across. Um, and really, yeah, we've got to earn their trust and we've got to work together with that. Best of luck to Mike Williamson there. I must say he has produced some really impressive stuff over the last couple of uh, last couple of months, I would say, as the Gateshead boss. Let's see if he can translate that to a different team wearing white and black. On to the fixtures uh, taking place this weekend then. We've got them spread across multiple days and as everyone's favourite is back, the Championship is back. We start with a Friday night game between Rotherham United and Ipswich. Rotherham United desperate to uh, turn the recent form around as they currently find themselves in 23rd. But taking on second-placed Ipswich Town is probably not the fixture they particularly wanted that to, de to be the case with. On to Saturday now. We've got a lunchtime game between Preston North End and managerless Millwall. Blackburn Rovers taking on Cardiff City. Bristol face a Cardiff Coventry. Huddersfield are taking on QPR. Hull uh, versus Southampton. Middlesbrough versus Birmingham City. Of course, Wayne Rooney's first game in charge as Blues boss, uh, taking on his former teammate Michael Carrick. 
Norwich City against Leeds United. Uh, Daniel Farker returning to Carrow Road, I believe for the first time since he left several years ago. Uh, Stoke City taking on Sunderland. Swansea are against Leicester City. Watford are the first opponents of Danny Rolls' new Sheffield Wednesday side. And finally, West Bromwich Albion are taking on Plymouth Argyle. On to League One then, and all of these games are on the Saturday in true traditional fashion. All of them their three o'clock kickoff. Bolton Wanderers taking on Northampton Town. Uh, Burton versus Bristol Rovers. Charlton Athletic versus Reading. Cheltenham versus Cambridge United. Uh, Gary Caldwell versus Shane Maloney, uh, Sean Maloney, sorry, in the uh, I guess the Wigan derby of Exeter City versus Wigan Athletic. Of course, both t- players in the uh, FA Cup winning side of 2013. Fleetwood Town taking on again managerless Lincoln City. Lake Norrient are taking on Barnsley. Oxford are, have, are entertaining Blackpool. Peterborough versus Wickham Wanderers. Portsmouth versus Carlisle United, one of the longest journeys that are made in the EFL this year. Good luck to all Carlisle United away support that are doing that, particularly with the weather the way it is. And Shrewsbury Town taking on Derby County, relatively local affair. And finally, Stevenage taking on Port Vale. On to League Two now, and two games taking place on Friday night. Newport County versus Warsaw and Tramier Rovers versus Doncaster Rovers. Nice to see Tramier Rovers back playing on a Friday night. Uh, those, uh, I've always told, traditionally used to play on a Friday night um, because what it would be is that they would encourage more fans to go and watch Tramier on a Friday. Those that live in the Merseyside area who would then go and watch, of course, the Liverpool derby uh, between Liverpool and Everton taking place this weekend on Saturday lunchtime. Best of luck to all teams there. On to the Saturday games. Accrington Stanley versus Mike Williams's MK Dons. At Barrow have AFC Wimbledon, another long journey, but anywhere is from Barrow. Bradford City in very, very good form against another team in good form in the form of Wrexham. Colchester United taking on Harrogate Town. Crawley versus Crewe. Gillingham versus Notts County. Mansfield are taking on Forest Green Rovers, so unbeaten Mansfield versus Forest Green Rovers, still probably riding that 5-0 high from last weekend. Salford taking on Swindon, Stockport County top of the table against Grimsby Town, and finally Sutton United taking on Morecambe. So that brings us to the end of this week's EFL preview. I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry that I've been away uh, for the last week, but I am back now and we've got plenty of excitement to look forward to, of course, over this weekend. As uh, this programme is being recorded, there is terrible weather. Thank you, Storm Barbet, for that. So wherever you may be, please look after yourself, as it is a very, very dangerous time at the moment. And if you are able to attend the football and the weather does get better, I really hope you enjoy that as well. Either way, I hope you have a great weekend. I'll be back next Monday to cover all of the uh, all the matches that take place. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>